Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good morning. All right, so we have been walking through Romans. And we've been looking, if you remember, at uh, the chapters 9, 10, and 11. I know that uh, each day you have been reading it fervently, uh, all those things. Because remember, as we were talking about, when it came to 9, 10, and 11 in this, we remember that all three of those chapters are actually just one passage. So today, as we're looking at the last chapter, we're actually just looking at the end of the passage. And as we've walked through, remember, it was intended to be read all together in one big Peace. And it's all been centered around that idea and that question of has, God's cho- has God rejected his chosen people. So if you got your Bibles today, go ahead and open them up. We're going to go to Romans chapter. We're going to start at the beginning at the end of chapter 10. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. Start with verse 21. If you're home, grab your Bible, open your app, whatever it is, figure it out. But uh, we're going to start there in Romans chapter 10 at the very end there, verse 21. And then we're going to roll through the entire book of Romans chapter 11. Okay, you got scared there when I said the whole book, huh? I'm going to read all of Romans today. We should be finished by tomorrow night. (laughs) No, that's not. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But you can totally do it on your own. This is good. All right, that being said, why don't we stand today and let's listen and, uh, and read God's word together today. Romans, starting with chapter 21. Here we go. Romans 10, Psalm 21. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And as he begins writing this, he's saying, I am so frustrated with you. I'm standing before you, holding out my hands. I want to be in right relationship. Actually, I want you to be in right relationship with me. I want to make you right. I want to make things good. But you aren't listening. You are obstinate. You're defiant, you're disobedient, come on. And then he says, so I ask then, here's the money question. Did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite, myself a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed to their knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, and it's no longer by works, and if it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain because it was looking through works. But the elect did. Those who were chosen by God did. Those who are called by God did. The others were hardened as it is written. God gave them the spirit of stupor eyes so that they could not see and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block, a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. And this should bother you, right? You read this and you go, whoa, 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 hardening of the hearts. God, harden their hearts. Wait, wait, that, that's messed up. If he's hardening their hearts, if he's making it so that they can't respond, how is that fair? But the truth is what's happened is, is their hearts have become hardened and he's given them over to what they've already been pursuing. 
This happens. You've experienced this in your life. You've seen this in other lives of other people. What happens when you stop pursuing Christ? When you start pursuing other things in your life, what happens is your heart naturally starts hardening. Because remember where your heart is, that's where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if God is not your treasure, if being right before him is not what you treasure, you start treasuring something else and your heart is given to that. And so your heart begins hardening and he gives them over to that. Just to clarify. I haven't even started preaching yet. So here we go. In verse 11, again I ask, did they stumble so far, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? This is an important question. This is a key question. You want to highlight this later on. This is, we're going to come back to this and look at this. Did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches to the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will there be, will their fullness bring? I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse in my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead, if the part of the dough offered is first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild offshoot, uh, wild olive offshoot have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not boast over those branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, the sternness to those who fell, but the kindness to those, to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to the nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? In, into their own olive tree? I do not want, to, want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. Okay? Circle that, in part, until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned... Um, they are loved on the account of the patriarchs for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. What is he saying there? God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. It means God doesn't change his mind. 
It's not talking about whether you can or cannot revoke his gift that he's giving to you. What he's saying here in this moment is God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't say, I'm calling you. I want you to be in relationship with me. Here, I'm gifting you and I want you to use your gifts. Oh, never mind, I'm going to take them back. God's gifts and call are irrevocable just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy for a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that they may have mercy on, that he may have mercy on them all. And I'm just going to stop there. We're going to stop at 32, the doxology. He just goes in and talks about how amazing God is. Okay? And I want to make sure that we can get everything in today. So it's the reading of God's word. You may be seated. All right. So as we get going here with this, remember, we go back to the question. The question that we've been dealing with in this passage, the overall question is, has God rejected his chosen people? And the answer, as we just read, is again, resounding, no, not at all. God's people, though, his chosen people have rejected him. They had the truth in front of them that he was the Messiah and they have rejected him as the Messiah. They do not believe that he's the Messiah and they do not believe that he is the way to righteousness with God. But they keep pursuing righteousness. They're fervently pursuing righteousness, remember, but they're doing it by what? They're doing it by their good works. They're trying to earn it, okay? They're doing it by works, not by faith, but God still wants to be in this relationship with them. He doesn't reject them. What does he do? He still pursues them. And what he does is he makes a way, God makes a way, he paves a way for them to be in a right relationship with them. And he does that through his son, Jesus, as he gives him as a sacrifice for their sins once and for all. And what we've been walking through so far in these first 11 chapters is Paul has been systematically laying the foundation and the pavement for this way. He's making his case painstakingly making his case bit by bit by bit to try to persuade them, to help them understand you can't be made right by the things that you do. You can only be made right through Christ, who was the Messiah, who you have rejected. But God has still not rejected you and still wants you to be in. And so last week we walked through the Roman road, remember, where we looked at that pavement, those, those, those uh, verses throughout Romans, where he shows them systematically, this is how you are saved. This is how life is transformed. This is the way as opposed to your way, which is going to fall short. So that's where we pick up today. Isn't that fun? Before we move forward, though, I want to make sure we jump back just a little bit. Because remember, this is kind of all the place, and I said I would come back to some stuff. So we're going to come back to, to this, okay? Go back, and, and, and Paul, Paul makes this statement earlier on in chapter 9. He says, not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So I want to come back, and I want to kind of walk through this just a little bit. Because in Romans 6, 8, he starts to unpack this. This is what he says in Romans 6, 8. He says, it is not as though God's word has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. You're going, okay, wait a second. What does that mean? Okay, we're going to get to that. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. So here as we look at this, 
Paul's trying to, to lay something out for them, a concept for them to get, because they're wrestling with this idea of Jew and Gentile. Those that are part of God's chosen people, these outsiders, what in the world is going on here? So he's wrestling and he's kind of comparing and contrasting in this verse. He's getting this idea of there's these children of physical descent and then there's these children of the promise and they're not the same thing. And he goes here and he's talking about there's some, this physical descent, it means those that are from the, the, the lineage, okay? From the family line of Abraham. You can look at Abraham and I'm gonna go through that here. And then there's others that have become part of the family, the children of the promise, those have become part of the family by faith. Okay, so let's look at this. So you have, this is, it started out with Abraham, the covenant, the promise is with Abraham, right? I will make you the father of many nations. Uh, I'm gonna, gonna bring salvation. I'm gonna, as many as the stars in the sky and the sands. And he makes this covenant, I will be your God. You will be my, pe- my people. And there's this covenant. But remember, Abraham is really, 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 really old. How many feel really, really old today? Okay, he was really, really old. He was past the time when you're allowed, when, you, when you're allowed, when you normally and naturally have children. He's done. And his wife, Sarah, just as old, she has not had any children to this point at all. And yet God comes along and says, I'm going to make a promise. I'm making this promise to you. You're going to have all these descendants. You're going to have his offspring. You're going to be the father. How am I going to do that when I don't even have one child? but God has promised this. This is the covenant that he's made with them. So what happens is they start coming together and they start thinking this out and going, well, obviously God says he's gonna do this. We probably need to help God out. Ever been there? Help God out. Probably what he meant was, is that you're gonna be the five of my nation, so we'll do this. My concubine, Hagar, let's do this. You, I, I will use her as a concubine and God, would, that must have been what he meant. You ever do that? We try to reinterpret or we try to figure out what well, God probably meant this. He's like, no, no, I meant I'm going to do this. So what happens is Abraham then uh, it, it, it sleeps with Hagar, and she has a child, a male, Ishmael. But then what happens is, as this is going on, all of a sudden one day, uh-oh, Sarah's pregnant now. And she has a child, which is Isaac. This is how God wanted to work. This is what happened over here. And we, by the way, there's all sorts of historical, cultural stuff that plays out with this because this still is an issue to this day, okay? But Ishmael's there. So you have Abraham that was married married to Sarah. They have a child, Isaac. Abraham also was with Agar, Ishmael. We also know that later on that he remarries and he has other sons that come from that. So going down the lineage, all of these are children of Israel, Right? All these are children of Abraham. And then you have Isaac then who has, gives birth to Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, Jacob the secondborn. And Jacob is the one that God chooses. This is the line that God chooses. And Jacob then is renamed Israel. And there you have the nation of Israel is born from there. The 12 tribes come from there. And, and that's how it plays out. So you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which by the way are the big three. The, whenever you hear them talking about that, he's really trying to get someone's attention on this. But as he's looking at this, he's like, listen, all of these that come out here are in the line of and are, are, are a part of that family tree and line. However, these are the children of the promise. Not just because they were born into this, but because they put their faith in God. And so as you have now Paul leaning into this, he's looking at it and saying, listen, not all these physical descendants are actually Israel. 
They're not family because they are born into the family line. They are family because they've chosen to believe. And that's where we have to understand this, that not all Israel, and this is a comment that we make, is that not all Israel will be saved, but all Israel will be saved. Does that sound sound like a contradiction at all? Good, because it should. It's, It's supposed to be. Okay. You've got all these that are in the line, and you've got some, though, that have put their faith, and they're part of this, and then you have others that aren't. And so you have to ask yourself the question, okay, the, the thing is, not all Israel is going to be saved. We know that not all is because not everyone is going to put their faith. The ones that put their faith in God, those are the ones that will be saved. Those are also the ones who are identified as Israel. So in the same sense, but all Israel will be saved. In fact, later on in verse eleven twenty six, he makes the statement, all Israel, remember we just read it, all Israel is going to be saved. So we know that not all Israel is going to be saved, but all Israel will be saved. What's the deal? We need to make sure we understand what we're talking about when we say Israel. Okay? So that's where we go to next. Israel is, okay, by the way, I need an official ruling on this. Where's Miss Chamberlain? Where is she? Dude, where are you? Raise your hand. I need an official ruling on this. Grammatically, she's not, she's not here right now. Ah, uh, okay. Any teachers out there, I need this. I need an official ruling on this at some point, okay? I don't know if my grammar's right, but it, I got to do it this way. Israel is those who choose to believe. So we're trying to figure out what's it. Wait, wait, wait. So we're talking about Israel. All of Israel will be saved, but not all Israel will be saved. Not everybody that is from the line of Israel is going to be saved because not all of them put their faith and belief in God. But all of Israel now will be saved because Israel now is not just about people born out of the the tree of of Abraham. Israel is now those people who put their belief into God. And everybody who puts their belief in God will be saved. Make sense? Cool. Did I get the grammar right? Is that grammar right? (laughs) I got some people going, I don't know. Doesn't matter. You get the point, right? Okay. I used to be able to go, well, I'm just a youth pastor, and so they give me grace, but now I don't have that anymore. So, all right. That being said, okay. Uh, so Israel is those who now who choose to believe. And that includes now both Jews and Gentiles. So it's not just people from the line of Jews that are descended from, from Abraham, but now you also have these Gentiles who are becoming a part of this family as well. So now it is much more inclusive and broad in its scope. And I love that. And in fact, if you go later on, Paul to the book in Galatians, as he's writing to them, he actually helps them say this. He says, understand them that those who have faith are the children of Abraham. He's helping us define who Israel is. Okay, those who have faith, those who put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah, that follow his way to be made right with God, those are the ones that are the children. And the good thing and the good news for us is we can become a part of that as we put our faith in God as well. We become children of that promise that I will be your God, you will be my people. In fact, in the New Testament, we know through Christ there's a new promise, a new covenant that is made through Christ, that now he is the way that our sins are forgiven. He is the sacrifice. He is the lamb of God that takes away our sins. He is the one that died once and for all. Now we become a part of the family. We're included in that because of him. Now, I love this. You note this familial language, right? It's talking about children, offspring, descendants. It's all about this family thing. And, and I don't know, when I was thinking about this, I, I, can I tell you, have you, do you guys remember the old song? I remember this song vividly um, that talks about, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. 
born in the Spirit, washed in His blood, join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, because He has to rhyme, you know. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Now, you know how you guys shook hands with each other earlier? When I was a kid, okay, uh, when I was a kid, this is what we did. Sunday night service, we would do that same exact thing, but we would walk around the church singing that song, shaking people's hands. Talk about awkward. But I didn't know any difference, so it worked. But can I tell you, it's, it's the two things. I love, I love this family, okay? I, can I tell you I love this family? Can I tell you we are dysfunctional? We are broken? We are messed up, aren't we? You're like, man, you're so negative. No, it's honest. You put enough people in the same room, it happens in your home with like four people. Think about it. You put enough of us in the same room, enough broken people in the same room that are seeking redemption from the Lord, who are being transformed but are still in process. You put enough of us in the same room, there's going to be hurts. There's going to be offenses. There's going to be times when we need to go and apologize. There's going to be times when we hurt each other, sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident. But one of the things about family, real family, is we work through that because we all know that we're in process. And so that same grace that we've received from Christ, that same love we've received from him is the same love then that we extend to those that are around us in their brokenness and transition and transformation process. That same grace that we have received for our lives is the same grace we extend to others, right? See, a lot of people get offended by something that happens and then they're shocked, like, how could a Christian offend me? It's because we're people. It happens. But your mindset needs to remember who we really are. Who are we? We, like everybody, are on the exact same foot. We are equal in this. And remember, we're all sinners. We're all broken. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all need his grace at work in our lives. We all need his forgiveness. We all need him to continue to be transforming us. And in doing so, we remember who we are. Don't put unrealistic expectations upon a family. Take one family road trip that is more than four hours and tell me if there isn't at least one. And you can't use, by the way, the iPads and, the, and the, all the headsets. You can't, that doesn't count. You put yourselves in a car long enough, it's going to be a disagreement. And have realistic expectations, but also have hopeful expectations. Because can I tell you, in the eight years that I've just been here, a part of this local family, I have seen God move. I can tell you, and there are lives that are not the same as they were. There are people who used to have certain patterns and behaviors that I've seen change. Not because they've worked real hard, but because the Holy Spirit's been at work in them. I love this. And, and what happens is, is when we put our faith in Jesus... You become a part of the family. This is not, by the way, an exclusive club. A lot of people go, oh, the church, Christians, oh, they're so exclusive. No, we're actually incredibly inclusive. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. He would have it that none should perish, but that all could have eternal life. He has it open to everybody. Those doors open to everybody that walks into this, into this room. It is open to Republicans. It is open to Democrats. It is open to men. It is open to women. It is open to people who, who, who are from America. Yeah, that's a wide one right there. 
It's open to people who are addicted. Those doors are open to people who are hurting. It's open to people who are going through broken relationships. It's open to people who are struggling with their sexuality and trying to figure out who they are. It's a place where everybody here is welcome because we are all on the same footing. But make no mistake, the way is still one way. It's Jesus. It's taking our lives, whatever we walk in here with. Nothing too great, nothing too small. And saying, here you go, Lord. That's the way. And when we do that, welcome to the family. I love that. So we are. We're incredibly inclusive. We are a little exclusive, though, aren't we? Because there is only one way. There's not 18,000 ways. There's only one. So yeah, that part's exclusive. There's exclusively only one way to Jesus. And there's only one way to remain in that family. Okay, I need to keep going, my goodness. Alan, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were talking before, and he goes, I'm like, it's short. I only have like this much time. He's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you must have been around a couple of pastors. All right, so let's move on. Oh, goodness. Must believe. I just wanted to say that because I think it's important. We got to remember that, right? I think that's good stuff for us to take away today. We must believe, though. Believe. We have to put our faith in Jesus as Messiah to be included in the family. That's how that works, okay? And so this choosing to believe, what it does, it leads to our adoption. We are adopted into this family, this family of God. And Paul uses this branches analogy, which, by the way, he's drawing from analogy that Jesus made in John. If you go back into the book of John, Jesus talks about, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And he goes into this whole thing here about this, and he talks about how we are grafted into the, into the tree. We're grafted together as a family. And he talks about this original tree. This is an olive tree. This original tree, there's some branches that are broken off because they weren't producing fruit. They were dead and they were pruned off because of unbelief. And then there are others that were grafted in. And so I actually did some research this week on this because my thumb is not green. I had nothing about grafting. I had this image in my head. I'm like, how does this even work? So I looked it up. I watched a couple of videos and, and, and did this. And this is right here. This is what one of the grafting. There's all sorts of different ways, by the way. It's like eight different ways you can graft things onto trees and what goes on. But essentially, it's you take something that wasn't a part of the tree and you put it in there and you graft it together. And there were actually different layers, but I've only got one slide. And you can see that this is a new branch now that is growing out of this established olive tree. This is olive, olive going on right now. And that's what happens for us. We become grafted onto this tree. We now get all of our nutrients. Everything comes from this. And as we look at this, we've got to believe. And some, so he talks about this. There's this original tree and some branches have been broken off. Why have they been broken off? Because of unbelief. So they've broken off. And then you've got some unnatural branches, branches that aren't from that. He, I love how he calls us wild olive branches. It's kind of appropriate, isn't it? Think about it, we're wild olive branches. We're just growing out there in the wild, man. And he smack, grabs us and there we go. Unnatural branches. And they've been grafted on. Why? Because of belief. Because they believe in Christ as the Messiah. Then you have the original branches. As he says later on here in this passage, they can actually be grafted on again. They can be grafted back on. Why? belief because they don't persist in their unbelief now because of their belief they are grafted and become a part now of this original tree see our faith is what grafts us in and allows us to be children of abraham 
okay? But in this, Paul then ends up with a warning. He warns us, everybody. He warns them. He says, listen, you've seen what's been going on. You know what's been going on. You need to do this. You must remain in your belief. Don't stop believing. I was going to sing it, and I thought, y'all haven't had enough coffee to deal with that? But that's okay. Second service is so going to get it. Don't stop believing. Keep, remain in your belief. In fact, if you look at what he goes on to say in John, I'm going to go back to what Jesus says. He talks about this idea of remain, 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 remain in this entire passage. Remain in me, remain in me. This is not a fear tactic like, okay, don't you start wandering away because otherwise you're going to hell. I'm going to burn you off. No, no, no. no. It's like he's like, okay, so you wanted, you chosen to follow and now you put your belief there and you're a part of the family. How do you stay a part of the family? How do you stay, remain, oh man, stay grafted. Stay grafted. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn. Some are picked up because of belief and grafted back on. (coughs) <coughs> this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, showing yourselves to be children of Abraham. That's what he's getting at here. Remain in your belief. And I want to just close this here, okay? Can I, let's, let's close off with some hope. Can we do this? We'll leave this off because, man, next week is really good. I would love to be preaching next week. Kevin took the easy one. So we're going to close out with some hope. Sorry, that's not on tape. Oh, I'm being recorded. It is on tape. Never mind. Romans 11 says this. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Are they lost without any hope? Say it with me. Not at all. No, they're not. If they, if they stop their unbelief, if they discontinue their unbelief and turn to belief, they too can, guess what? If they do not persist in their unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God is able. Ooh, that's the hope. God is able to graft them in again. God is able to graft them in. But he's also, he's also able to graft them in again. This is the good news. If he can do that with them, guess what? That exact same hope is offered to us. And can I tell you, I just want you to know that you have not stumbled and fallen beyond recovery. I don't know where you're at today. You may be here and you barely got yourself in, in this room today. Maybe you just barely made it here. And as you're sitting here today, you're thinking, I'm broken off and I think he's stoking the fire and he's going to burn me. Here's the hope. Nothing that you have done, said in any of your areas of disbelief right now, none of them are so far that he can't regraft you back on. All that has to happen is belief. God can graft you back in again. Whether you haven't been grafted and you want to be a part of it, or you have been grafted and you've been broken off and you want to bring, he is able. And that's the hope that we have. But the key, it's belief. God's not rejected his people. God's not rejected you. Oh, but he's made the way for you to be a part of this family, for you to be included. But you must believe. Faith and trust in him. I love it because three were grafted in last week. You remember that? You grafted in last week. 
lives changed forever. Welcome to the family. You've had your first week in the family. Congratulations. It's good stuff. This is good. I love it. And now we get to grow. You saw that picture that grafted. Now we get to grow and become a branch and start producing fruit. And this is, I love this. I just get so excited about this. So this is what I do today as we close. I just want to pray. I'm going to close this in prayer today. And as I close in prayer, if today you're just like, listen, I've been struggling with my belief. I've been struggling and I feel like I've been broken off. But man, I want to be connected. I want to remain. And you would just say, I just, would you pray for me that I remain? Or maybe you need to make that choice for the first time today and you would just say, hey, I want to be grafted in. I want to be a part of this family. And so I want to move from unbelief to belief today. This is it. I just want everybody to kind of bow your head and close your eyes for just a second here. If today you would say, hey, I want to be grafted in. Or if you would say today, I, I, I want to, to remain in my belief and I need your prayers today, Pastor. I just want you to put your hand in the air. I, I just want to pray for you. Amen. Thank you for that. I thank you. I see that. Love it. Anybody else? You're struggling today. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. See it. I appreciate your transparency with me. Can I tell you right now, God already knows. He knows you. He knows your story. He knows your path. He knows what you're going through, and he meets you today. So let me pray for us. Father God, today as we are here, gathered as, as your people, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we use those, that terminology, that family terminology, because that's what we are. We are now part of this family, Lord. And so I pray though, for those who, who want to be grafted in, for those that want to be a part of this, God, that, that we would just put our faith in you. That we confess that, that we're sinners. We need you. We believe that you died on the cross and rose from the grave for us, that you are the only way to be made right before you. And so, Lord, forgive us. And, Lord, for those who have been here, you are continuing to strengthen our grafting. Lord, may you give us the strength and the courage that we need to remain in you. May we remain connected to you. May your words through the scriptures, Lord, may they flow in our minds every single day as we feast on them. As we read about our brothers and sisters that have come before and their faith stories, Lord, may we be encouraged in our faith as well. And there's moments in those situations where we're like, I don't know, God. I am unable to figure out what to do with this circumstance or this situation or whatever. May we remember, God, that you are able that you are the way maker, that you made the way for us to be a part of the family. May we remain in you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.